Well, our gospel lesson for today, the fifth Sunday of the season of Easter, comes from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. Earlier this morning, I was walking between the church here and to the post office to grab the mail, something I oftentimes do when it is nice outside like it is right now. And as I was walking along the highway, those of you familiar with Underwood will know that I have to go right along down the highway as I'm going to the post office. As I was walking along those three or four blocks that lie between the church and the post office, not just once, but twice, semis came by me. And both of these particular semis were of the variety known as livestock haulers. And perhaps you're familiar with them. You've seen the big slots, the air holes that are in the sides. They're designed to carry large amounts of livestock from one place to another. Now, as they were driving by, both of them, first one and then a moment later, the second one that came as well, I was able to take a sniff and realize two things. One, they had been carrying cattle. And two, they weren't currently carrying cattle. They, were, they, they had been full of cows, but they were currently empty. I could tell that simply by the smell. Now, this speaks to my farm life, what I grew up in. Perhaps you've heard the expression, you can take the man off the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the man. Well, I live the epitome of that, having grown up on a farm. I oftentimes will amaze my wife if we're driving down the road and there's one of those livestock haulers in front of us and by a simple sniff, I can distinguish if they are carrying cattle or hogs because of the distinct smell of their manure. Now, this is a strange thing, but it speaks to that connection, that, that life that I have lived in the past that helped bring me to this point. The simple familiarity that comes about from having grown up on a farm that had both cows and hogs to be able to smell the difference between them. Now, if you need a different example of this, I can give you one that's perhaps a little bit more fitting for folks not familiar with farms. Think about the difference in smell between two very similar fruits, an orange and a lemon. You smell each of them, you know which one's which without even looking because they have that distinct smell. Well, folks, the aroma of manure of cows and hogs, they're distinct as well. All of this I bring up because of this connection to the past, this connection to the life that I have lived and I think perhaps that's something that we're all sort of familiar with. Now, I had another example of something of this nature, this, this desire to have even a brief connection to my past, something that happened here about a week ago. 
I was actually up in Sioux Falls with my dad, who was going through a few medical situations, and, and some of my other family members were there, including my older brother. And once he and I left Sioux Falls, I was actually taking my brother back to his house. And in taking him home, he actually lives very close to where we grew up, I was actually going to drive right past the town that contains the very first house that my wife and I bought very early on in our marriage some 18 years ago. And as we were driving along, I commented to my brother, I'm almost tempted to drive up into town and just drive by the old house. And he said, well, go ahead and do it. So I did. And like most things, it hadn't really changed much. I spent about five seconds just slowly driving by the road, looking at, at the old house. It basically looked the same. And really the only change that had happened was a, a bush that I had planted about 17 years ago is now quite large when it was quite small when I did it. That was really the only indication of the passage of time. But that in its very nature is also interesting as we think about this connection that Jesus is talking about here in our scripture. I love this passage, and I love this metaphor or, or parable, if we want to call it that, that Jesus is using. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And then over and over and over again, he's telling his disciples, abide in me, remain connected to me, live connected to me. That's what this whole thing is about. Now, to really begin to understand why Jesus is talking about this, we need to consider the setting. Here in John's gospel, this parable, this, this passage that we have shared today actually happens in the midst of something we call the farewell discourse. It's this long period that actually happens at the Last Supper, this final time that Jesus is spending in private with his disciples, with those who he's closest to. He knows what's about to happen. He knows that later that night he's going to be betrayed and arrested. He knows the next day he's going to be tortured and killed. Now, he shared this with the disciples before. They are aware, even if they can't wrap their heads around it. But Jesus knows that things are about to change. And not only because he's about to die, but also he knows that he's going to rise again, something else that he's told the disciples repeatedly. He knows that somehow God is bringing about this idea of new life through death, this idea of the resurrection, as hard as that might be to understand at times. But not only that, he also knows that once that is over and a short period goes by, that he will return to heaven and the disciples will not physically have him around. All of this is going on. All of this is present in this time that Jesus is spending with his disciples as he's seemingly telling them goodbye where he's beginning to tell them goodbye because things are about to change. Now, Jesus tells them at different times, do not be worried. I have called you. I have claimed you. You are mine. You don't need to be afraid, even though scary stuff is coming. And he says, yes, I'm going to be gone, but he also makes a promise. And it actually happens right before this, just in the chapter right before this. He says, I am going to send you another advocate. I'm going to send you a helper, another one who will be with you and will empower you and will strengthen you and will unite you together. And folks, we know that, that advocate that Jesus is talking about to be the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit of God that was blowing over the waters and over the chaos clear back in the beginning. The same Holy Spirit which rested upon Jesus in his baptism. The same Holy Spirit that has empowered so many different individuals, including the disciples, when they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost coming up in just a few more weeks. That same Holy Spirit which connects and unites and empowers us as the body of Christ now 2,000 years later. That same Spirit Jesus promises is going to be sent to them. 
Now, what I really appreciate about all of this is we begin to, to hear, to think about the way that Jesus is revealing the truth of God's nature. And that nature of God is that God exists in relationship, that God exists in community. Now, in that passage, when Jesus says, I'm going to send you another advocate right before our passage today, he says, he talks about, I am going to the Father. I, Jesus, am going to the Father, and I'm going to send you the Spirit. We see Jesus talking about the Holy Trinity right there, the same God who is all three and yet is distinct in all three. And when we think about all that, perhaps we begin to think about the power of the Spirit, which Jesus is talking about, how it will connect his followers, his disciples, both those he was talking to as well as us now today, they will connect into the life-giving force or the life-giving spirit or the life-giving energy, whatever we want to call it, of the one who made all this in the first place. Now, again, this is happening in John's gospel. And what I appreciate about John's gospel is the way it starts. John's gospel starts in the beginning which sounds an awful lot like the way Genesis starts in the beginning. In fact, it sounds exactly the same, and it's supposed to, because we are being reminded that Jesus, the word made flesh, the one who dwells among us as one of us, is also the same God who somehow spoke all this into existence in the first place. And I really think a lot about that when I consider that that's the point, if we go all the way back to Genesis 1, where our existence begins. Creation. And I know I've talked about this many times. You've probably heard me talk about it many times, about how God makes one thing, and God calls it good, and God makes another thing, and God calls that good, and God makes another thing, and God calls that good. Now, I don't know how it works, but somehow it does. Somehow God creates all this, and it's coming out of this place of joy and delight. And when God seems to be about wrapped up with all this creation stuff, God says, I'm going to make one more thing. God says, let us make humankind in our image. Now, there's that whole relationship community thing again, but God takes mud, dirt, dust, whatever we want to call it. In the Hebrew, it's adamah, it's, and he forms it. God forms it into this, this human-like creature that seems to be just made out of clay laying on the ground, this mud creature. And God then breathes the spirit of life, the, that very same Holy Spirit. God breathes the spirit of life into this mud creature, and it becomes a living human. Adam, Adam, the first human. Life, as we know it, begins with the spirit, the empowering spirit of God. And we bear that divine image. Somehow, we bear that divine image. Now, that source of life, I believe, is still the basis for life now. I don't know how it works. I don't understand where it comes from. But I believe that the source of life stems from this same Spirit of God, which dwells within us, which unites us together, which connects us in community, not only with one another, but also with God. As I think about this, I come back to this little parable that Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, a branch that is not connected to the vine can do nothing. It withers and it dies and it bears no fruit. Now, folks, I have a, a horticulture background and a farming background like I had talked about. But admittedly, even though I'm familiar with the concept of vines and grapes and all of that, I'd never really worked with them very much until this past fall. 
through a fundraiser here in Underwood that was going to benefit post-prom, I and a group of about 25 or 30 other people went up to Breezy Hills Winery that's only about four or five miles away from here. And we helped with the grape harvest. Now, again, I'm familiar with the concept that there's this central vine, this central trunk, if we want to call it, that grows up from the ground and it's connected to all the roots and it's rooted down in the ground. And every year they cut it back basically to that one stick that's coming up out of the ground. But year after year after year, then these branches, all of these branches, this new life comes growing out of the vine, out along the trellis. And folks, there is a ton of material there, even when they do a very excellent job of actively pruning it and keeping it ready to go. We had to go up underneath all of these tangled branches and leaves everywhere and all kinds of plant material in order to find that fruit, to find those bunches of grapes. And I was amazed at how much was there, at how much this new life had grown out of the source of life, the rooted vine in the first place. That's what Jesus reminds us of. He is the source of life because he is God. He is the one who also breathed life into humanity, who somehow was active in the creation of all of this stuff. Everything that comes around is connected back to that source of life, that ultimate essence that is somehow God. When I think about those vines when I think about those branches that came off it and this epic amount of new life, new growth that comes about every single year, I am reminded of the ways that new life oftentimes comes into our existence, that we see and we witness new ways of being, that we experience new, new types of life, new ways of life occurring that oftentimes might feel very foreign to what we know to what we're familiar with, because over here, that same life that is still connected back to the source is blooming and bearing fruit in new ways. And I wonder if that's something that perhaps is familiar to us now, as we are experiencing life in new ways here a year into this whole COVID-19 situation. And at the same time, I also wonder if that in its very nature has revealed the importance of the connection we have to the source of life. Think back to a year ago. This time last year, we were just a few weeks into this whole thing, or maybe about a month or so into this whole thing. A lot of us were pretty much staying home and venturing out very, very little. We were feeling very isolated. We were really losing that physical connection that we're all so used to, and we know how hard that was. Some of us are still in the midst of that, even now this much, with this much time has passed, and we have all felt how difficult that has been. Now, we have done everything that we can, both as a faith community and we as individuals, to remain connected, to stay in contact with people, to, to communicate and to, to be community as best we can, and that's all been good stuff, but we also know that it doesn't substitute for that physical interaction that we have when we are all in the same space together. We crave, we need that community, that sense of relationship, of interaction. It's hardwired into us because we bear that divine image of the one who also exists in relationship. Now, when we think about relationship, when we think about community, we also know that we as humans are capable of messing 
that up. Even as we remain connected to the source of life, even when we are united into this one source of shared communal life together, we know sometimes we mess it up. We break the relationship. We cause harm to that. But what I love about the one who is talking in the first place the one who is teaching his disciples and is teaching us Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed, he instituted something. The same night that he spoke these words, he also brought something new into being, and that is Holy Communion. He took the cup and he took the bread and he said, this is my body, it is broken for you, and this is my blood, it is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins to somehow make reconciliation possible to make those damaged relationships be able to come back and be reconciled to one another. Now, that doesn't mean it always works perfectly because we are broken and we are flawed and we don't always pull it off, but it is possible for us to remain in community and come back into community with that life-giving basis, that life-giving center that is the one who made us all in the first place. It is my hope that we all find our connection and that we share, we recognize this shared connection and the way that this shared connection made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit empowers new life in so many different ways. May we all hold on to that even in the midst of hard times and recognizing that the one who made all of this also made you and claims you and loves you and desires only for you to remain connected to the source.